Hey there, and welcome to Vibrancy with ADHD. Trying to improve our health and wellness with ADHD can feel like an uphill battle. Neurotypical advice tends to be complicated, rigid, and quite honestly, kind of boring. Us ADHDers thrive off of fun and need to be supported by people who just get us and the way our brain works. And most importantly, we need to feel encouraged and inspired instead of shamed. No falling off of any hypothetical wagons here. I'm Chelsea Eithoven and I'm a health and mindset coach who was diagnosed with ADHD at age 30. Stick around and together we can explore, learn, and play our way to a more vibrant lifestyle. Hi, my friends. Welcome to episode 21 of Vibrancy with ADHD. And I am just going to dive right in today because, holy cow, I realized I have way more on this topic to talk about than I thought I did. (laughs) I started writing this episode. I do the outlines. And I thought this was going to be something that was just like, you know, a page or two of an outline. I had a lot to say on this topic, turns out. So we're just going to dive in. We're not going to, you know, do all the the intro type things that I'm actually doing right now, of course. (laughs) So let me get into it. And I want to do the, I want to share with you guys the review of the week on iTunes or is this iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. I want to share with you a review that just made my heart sing and made me so happy when I read these. It just genuinely makes my day. So I like to share them with you guys too. So this review is from 1996 Selena, I'm guessing is what it is. Maybe it's the A is capitalized at the end. So maybe it's, I don't know how to say it. S-Y-L-E-N-A. Anyways, the review is a five-star review and the title is amazing. Amazing. And it says, I've been following Chelsea on Instagram and find her content so raw, real, and relatable. I finally decided to check out her podcast, and my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Love, love, love. Thank you so much, 1996 Selena, Selene, whatever, however I say your name. I just want to say I appreciate you so much. And Truthfully, you guys are the reason I have the courage to be as raw, real, and relatable as I am because when I share things that absolutely terrify me to share, that's when I get the most messages that you guys relate. You're like, I think nobody's going to relate and a bunch of people will message me and say, gosh, I can't believe how much I relate to this. Thank you for sharing this because it makes me feel better, right? And that really encourages me to keep sharing these parts of my soul that just kind of make me cringe to share, which is totally going to be what today is. So fun, fun, very exciting things that I'm afraid to share with you. Part 1 million. (laughs) Okay, but anyways, let's dive in to the topic. And we're going to talk about self care. Okay. And as much as it pains me to say this, Self-care is not just bubble baths and face masks and treat yourself, you know? And it pains me to say that because if you know me but at all, I am obsessed with bubble baths. Like, unhealthily obsessed, possibly. I take a minimum of one bath a day. If I don't take a bath a day, then, like, I feel not right. (laughs) I love my best. A lot of times I will take two baths a day and I have to refrain from taking three baths a day. Wow. But baths aren't self-care for me, right? I mean, I maybe a little bit because I enjoy them so much. And obviously joy is a big part of self-care, right? Making time for the things we love. But I had a realization the other day when I was going for a walk about self-care And I went for a walk without headphones because my brain was just so tired and I just needed to like decompress and not be getting a bunch of information in my ears. I normally always have some type of information in my ears. I'm either carrying around my laptop and watching a course from one of my coaching memberships and programs that I belong to, or I'm listening to an educational podcast or an audio book or like silence gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. Unless I'm at the point where my brain is just like, 
we can't have it anymore. We need some silence, right? And so that was the point I was at. This walk was actually yesterday as I'm recording this. And so I just took a walk with nothing in my ears and let my brain just be. And whenever I do this and allow myself to kind of simmer in that quiet, I end up getting big realizations and seeing things, zooming out, seeing things in a bigger picture, finding more clarity, right? All of these positive things. So you'd think that means I would do it more, (laughs) right? Be in the silence. But no, I don't because my brain is can tend to be really loud and busy. And so if something's not coming into it, then all types of things are going out of it, if that makes sense. But my brain basically is just very resistant to just quiet. And like you, I am not perfect. This is something I'm working on. I would love to be the type of person that meditates really super consistently, that can be in silence and be super present. But I have a lot of difficulty with that. And my guess is that you might as well. Anyways, but I did this. So I went on this walk, just quiet, just me and the sounds of nature around me and my dog's little click clack of her toenails. And I realized something on this walk. Okay. I realized for the first time In my entire life, I feel that I have the capacity and even desire to take care of other people. Just going to allow a moment of silence after that one. This may seem like really weird to some of you, right? But I actually think a lot of you, this might really hit home. And maybe it'll help you realize a piece of yourself because I'm 31 years old and I'm just realizing this about myself. So I used to always feel like, and truthfully, I still do sometimes, kind of resentful when people need me, okay? This episode is going to make me sound like an asshole. Yet another one, okay? But anyways, I, I, I felt resentful when people needed me. Whenever somebody asked me for help or just expressed a need to me, not even asking for help, I would think in my mind, I would think like, I I can't help you. Like, please just take it somewhere else. Take it to somebody else. I can barely even help myself. That's how I felt when another living being needed something from me. I felt like I was constantly drowning. And I wonder if you guys relate. I was constantly drowning in random tasks that were slipping through the cracks, right? Forgetting things constantly that were important things, right? That would have big consequences. For example, paying tickets and then my car would get booted or forgetting to pay bills or forgetting, you know, important things for whatever job I was in. That I just was, things were constantly slipping through the cracks. I couldn't remember my own basic needs, right? I was constantly drowning in adulting, everything that was to do with adulting, finances, like I said, career, like taking care of myself, self-care. I was numbing a lot. I was always in this survival mode. I was drowning in my career. I never felt like I was doing what I really needed to do to ever feel ahead or even just barely like making it, right? I always felt behind. Everything was just too much in my life too much just in my own life. I felt I couldn't take on anyone else's shit on top of that. You know, like, girl, we're we're struggling to carry this one box. I can't add another box to this pile of things I'm carrying. (laughs) So this is one reason I was, I have always been since I was an adult, just terrified to death to have kids. I've been married for three years now. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary. And like, I'm 31. This is the age. Although, first of all, there's no judgment. There is no age. But the people around me are starting to have babies and starting to become mothers and fathers. And I just look at them. And I've previously looked at them and just said, "Ah, I can't add another person's needs on top of my own needs. Okay. And for the longest time, I didn't understand this. Right. I just for so long was like, no thanks. I've got to get a handle on my shit first, right? And I think a lot of this is stemming just from undiagnosed ADHD for 30 years of life, okay? Because I I didn't realize the reason I was drowning. Had a name to it, right? It's not an excuse, but it's an explanation that's helped me make changes. 
And I think that's so important to establish the difference. But I felt like I, you know, I I wasn't going to, I was like, I'm terrified to have kids. I can barely take care of myself. I've never willingly gotten a pet. (laughs) And let me be clear. I'm so insanely thankful and obsessed with my dog, like obsessed with her. She's the freaking best. She's like, I love her so much. But she was my husband's dog when we got together. He made the willing choice to get a pet. I myself have never made the willing choice to get an animal. Thank God, by the way, that he had her because truly she's like, in my top two favorite living creatures on this earth. That would be like her and my husband, Garrett. (laughs) But she's also really low maintenance, which I think has helped me ease into the idea of caring for other humans, creatures, other living things. She sleeps like 20 hours a day. She's very low maintenance. It's like you let her outside like a couple times a day. She just wants to sleep and eat and go outside like very infrequently. She wants to play every once in a while, very easy. Anyway, she's a bloodhound. They're the best. Okay. Well, so I've never gotten a pet on my own. I've I've even always felt like plants were too much. And I know some of you guys relate to this, right? I couldn't keep them alive. I'm just focusing on keeping me alive. <laughs> How dare these plants rely on me to keep them alive? I'm focusing on keeping me alive, right? But like all jokes aside, that's the truth. Honestly, it's not a joke. But more than all... More than all of those things prior, it was people, other humans that I felt like I could not help. If somebody shared an emotional burden with me, something they were going through, I didn't know how to support them. I couldn't support them because I didn't have the space to support them because I didn't even know how to support myself at that point. It kind of felt like I was drowning and I'm like... So this isn't going to be an analogy, analogy, metaphor, comparison, whatever. It felt like, you know, I I was truly drowning and I was maybe somebody who could barely swim. So I was in the ocean drowning and I hardly had the skills to be able to swim myself. But there was another person who was drowning next to me, right? And they were asking for help and screaming for help. But if I swim over to them and go over to them and try to save them, then we're both going to drown. I... I can't help right now. I'm sorry. I just can't. Please find somebody else. I don't have the capacity to help you because otherwise we're both going to drown. Just going to pause and hold space for myself right now because this is another thing, like I said, that's really hard to admit on a podcast willingly to however many people choose to listen to this. And this experience, what I'm explaining right now, and how it actually, that I've been explaining to you how it feels from my end, right? But I want you to think about what this looks like from the other end, through your eyes, through my friends, my family's eyes, my coworkers in the past, right? People that were in my life. What does this look like? It looks like one word, selfish. And I identified deeply with this word for a really long time. I was selfish. I didn't care about others. I did not have the desire to help others. I didn't want to help others because I didn't feel like I could. And truth be told, I maybe still identify with this word, but I don't look at it as negative as I used to. I will and do care for myself before I care for others. And whether other people view that as selfish or not is none of my business. I wonder, do you ever feel selfish or as though you seem selfish because you don't feel like you have the capacity to take care of others? No? Just me? Cool, cool. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm willing to bet at least one other person relates to this, right? The thing about the word selfish and our judgments of the word selfish or self-centered, is that it seems like it's something of our own choosing, right? Like I could choose to not be selfish. And truth be told, honestly, to be completely honest and like really matter of fact, I could have, it is a choice, I could have chosen not to be selfish and to focus on other people's needs, right? Totally could have. But I knew that doing that throughout the entire 30 years of my life, I knew that doing that would be a sacrifice of me. It would be a sacrifice of my mental sanity. It would be a sacrifice of my ability to take care of myself. I would give that up 
to take care of other people. If I wasn't selfish, I would literally let myself drown to uplift and take care of other people. So the two choices were take care of myself and like just barely tread water and not drown or take care of anyone or anything else and drown in the process. And I know a lot of people choose to take care of other people and to drown. And I'm thinking of like some very specific people in my life who I will not name who have ADHD, I think have ADHD that choose to do this. And I see how they've made this choice and they've sacrificed themselves, right? And I see how I'm the total opposite. And I made the choice to self-preserve and prioritize me. And I see the different judgments of other people around us and how that's perceived, right? I'm somebody who's like maybe selfish, you know, which means over time, less people come to me with their their issues, <laughs> right? So in a way, it's kind of beneficial, like, you know, people aren't coming to me. But at the same time, that hurts. And I, I feel like I, you know, at times that can make me feel useless. But other people really, you know, talk kindly about people on the other end of this, right? Who who lift themselves up and say, well, they sacrifice everything for their family and they sacrifice everything for those around them. And they never think of themselves first. And I'm like, why is that a good thing? You know, why can't, you know, why, why is that a good thing? I don't understand. Why are we so obsessed with the martyrdom? You know, and I think the people who can do both are the people who have more capacity. And I'm becoming that person who can take care of myself. And therefore, I have more capacity. And now I can take care of others and have that desire to take care of others. Okay, that wasn't on the outline. So let's get back to the outline, shall we, Chelsea? (laughs) Anyways, yes. So I've been self-preserving myself from not drowning by only focusing on caring like bare minimum caring for me for 30 years, right? And truthfully, I wasn't doing a good job of that either, which is why I felt like I was drowning. I didn't know what real self-care looked like. And therefore, I didn't have any extra capacity to take care of anyone else because I was barely doing a good job of doing taking care of myself, right? Okay, now let's get back, get, get back to this walk and this realization. I had this realization as I was walking that something in me had shifted, And unlike the first 30 years of my life, like I said, I feel like I could take on caring for others. Let's start at the smallest increment of this that I kind of noticed the shift in myself. I, we went to Trader Joe's the other week and which I freaking love Trader Joe's. But anyways, I have a basil plant. I got a basil plant at Trader Joe's and I've been taking excellent care of this basil plant. I've been watering it daily, paying attention to its needs. We went out of town and like when we came back, I before I made sure it was like good to go and it would be okay for a little bit. And after I made sure I like pumped it back up because it was a little wilty and I got it back to where it needed to be. I've just been paying attention to its needs and taking care of it and caring and feeling like I had the capacity. Previously, if, it, if a plant was like dying on me, I was like, ah, fuck it. (laughs) You know, I don't, I can't do it. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not dealing with it. Whatever. It can just die. I can't take care of it. I can't do this anymore. That's the slightest sign of wilting, right? I've had many plants that that's what I've done. This basil has been different. I'm like, no, let me give it some TLC and bring it back to life. Same with my dog, you know, wanting to go above and beyond and caring for her versus like the bare minimum of like being able to just do the things to take care of her in a bare minimum way. That sounds so horrible. God, please don't cancel me. This is not what I mean. You know, this isn't what I mean. Don't take it out of context. Don't take it out of context, people. Okay. I'm not like my dog is not neglected. (laughs) My husband does a lot for her and I do a lot for her, but don't take it the wrong way. You know what I mean? Just meant like the above and beyond type stuff. I felt like I couldn't do. And my husband too, right? I felt like I'm now having the capacity to above like care for him and desire to care for him, right? I picked up one of his chores yesterday. Like I did his chore just because I felt like it because he was stressed and I wanted to help. Let me tell you something. This might seem like just this nice, you know, spousely thing to do, right? You know, wifely thing to do. I didn't want to say wife or spouse or I guess partner. That would be a more inclusive way to say that. But I've never done this before. I've never picked up a chore of his, okay? He's done this for me hundreds, if not thousands of times, right? He is like by nature a caregiver. 
And that's for many reasons that I won't go into. But anyways, I have felt a desire recently to help care for him too. Again, if you're judging me and you're like naturally a caregiver and you think I sound like a major bitch, you're right. That's your view of me. And that's totally fine. And I'm cool with it. But also like you can see your way out because I'm no longer available for people who seek to judge instead of understand, right? And I am also working on being the type of person that seeks to understand instead of judge. So maybe you can stay because whatever. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. Anywho, I just noticed this shift in me that caring for another human does not sound like the scariest thing ever. Don't get me wrong. It's still scary, like the thought of having kids. But the difference is I feel like I have capacity, capacity to maybe care for another human, right? That doesn't mean I'm going to run out and have kids. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying we're pregnant. I always feel like I have to clarify that because at this age, everybody thinks everything is a pregnancy announcement and it's not. Anyways, so I have capacity to care for my family members, people in my life, and I have capacity to care for my clients better too. Like, Honestly, I have this burning desire to go above and beyond for my clients right now and support them in every way possible. And it's taking everything in me to not harass them daily and message them and be like, how can I help? You want to get coached right now? I'll coach you right now. Let's do it. You know, I'm like, I really want to do that. That would be too much though, right? (laughs) But like, it's not that I had just abandoned my clients before, but like, do you see the shift and do you notice the difference, this desire to take care of others? And I really had that took that quiet time on that walk to think about why that is what was the difference right my mind loves to see these bigger picture patterns and assign meaning to things and I bet your your mind does too the brain likes to do that and as I was thinking about it and I really realized for the first time in my life I feel taken care of I feel like I am taken care of I just said it twice the same exact thing Because it's really revolutionary for me because I didn't ever realize before that I didn't feel taken care of, right? It was this subconscious thing. But now that I feel the difference, I had nothing to compare it to, right? I had no other experience to compare it to. And so I didn't know there was any different way to feel other than the way that I felt. But now that I feel taken care of and realize that I am learning to take care of myself on a deep level, Not the bubble baths, not the face masks type of self-care, not the wine and Netflix type of self-care, but the kind that actually makes a difference in my life. Now, before I go on to tell you what that looks like, I want to clarify something, right? Because when we talk about being cared for, yes, I'm talking about myself and self-care, but also naturally this is other people around me and the way that they have cared for me as well. I want to clarify, I was always taken care of on a basic level, right? I was always had my needs met as far as I had food to eat. I had clothes to wear. I had a roof over my head. I had school supplies. I was supplied with those things, the needs, the basic needs. Financially, we always had what we needed, okay? My entire life, I've always had what I needed financially and in that the basic needs level, And at many points in my life, I had more than I needed, right? But I'm realizing that while all all of that is true, I also realized that I never felt deeply taken care of on an emotional level by other humans and especially by myself. Hmm, This next part's hard for me to say, and I don't think either of them listen to this. So maybe we're safe, but like people that know them probably listen to this. It may get back to them, but I'm, I'm nervous to say this, (laughs) but this is part of my truth and I'm not going to fear speaking my truth anymore, no matter how it makes other, like maybe other people feel. Over this year, I've just been marinating on my diagnosis and my past, and I've come to realize that it's very likely that both of my parents also have ADHD. I've spoken to both of them about this, right? Because as you know, especially if you've listened to this for any period of time, (laughs) this diagnosis has been life-changing in the best way. And when something's life-changing in the best way, and we know it can help other people too, what do we want to do but share it with them, right? They both just exhibit so many of the symptoms. It's crazy. 
I'm obviously not a doctor and I'm not diagnosing them. But as you know, when you get a late diagnosis and you start seeing all the signs in you and knowing what it looks like, and again, knowing what a positive change it's been in your life, you start to notice it in others too. And that I've realized one of my impulsivities is a lot of people struggle with interrupting, right? One of my impulsivities is that like I really can't control but speaking my mind in a lot of moments, right? So I've shared these things with them and it was met in some cases pleasantly and like, you know, receptively and in other cases not. But either way, I got this diagnosis and I realized it's likely both of my parents have ADHD as well. Not only because of genetics, but just me reflecting back on their behaviors and how that's impacted me throughout my life. So anyways, my dad, my dad's kind of always been like in and out of my life. I don't know if he would agree with that, but that's my experience. Just kind of in and out my whole life. He has struggled with a lot, right? And I'm not going to share all the things he struggled with because that's not fair to him on a public podcast, right? But his experience with me is that he has had difficulty staying consistently present in my life. And to this day, that's a struggle for him, which is one that I understand because I have that same struggle with other people, right? So this is not from a place of judgment. Previously, it might have been, but now it's not I because I, I get it, right? And Just in general, I think he struggled to take care of himself in some of these deep ways that I am going to share with you in a little bit in this episode. And my mom, while she was my main caregiver my entire life, they got divorced when I was six months old, I believe. But like they kind of separated, I think, before or like it was basically since I was born. (laughs) They've not been together. But my mom was my main caregiver my whole life. And again, I want to repeat, she has given me everything I need, a roof over my head, food, clothes, through the times that she was a single mom and through the times that she was not, right? But I don't feel she's ever had the emotional space for my struggles or known how to help me through them, right? And care for me in that way, which again, I I don't blame her for that. I can now see that my parents haven't slighted me on purpose. I don't think, you know, they've done any of this on purpose. It's just also that they possibly have gone through their whole lives also feeling like they don't have the capacity to care for others on this deep level. And it feels like an emotional burden that they're not able to take on because possibly they feel the same way that I have in adulthood. And that's that I can barely care for myself, right? So how could they care for their child's needs as well, right? There's no judgment in the statement because like I said, This is the exact place I was at and am still am in at in many ways. And I'm just turning over this new leaf of understanding that maybe I could take care of other people. This realization has helped me release a lot of judgment, actually, you know, and saying, you know, there's no need to judge them. Anyways, we're getting deep. But the point is, I never felt cared for deeply growing up. And therefore, I also never felt like I knew how to take care of myself. So it was always this survival mode and not feeling like I could ever give any of my energy to anybody else, really, because I, I, I just couldn't. I didn't have the capacity. But I'm finally learning to care for myself in a deep way, in a way that gives me much more energy and capacity than a bubble bath, a glass of wine, and Netflix or a face mask ever could, right? And this deep self-care is giving me the capacity to care for others. And it's this really crazy realization, you know? It's really given the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup a whole new meaning because I realized, well, damn, I've been an empty cup my whole life and I'm just now getting half full and I never thought that this would happen. But with that half full, all I want to do is pour into others. Wild, wild, crazy realization. I wonder if you relate to this. Okay, so now that I've dropped my whole life story on you and like these deep philosophical things, which is like what I love diving into, I want to share some ways with you over the past year that I've started caring for myself deeply and some of these actions that have helped me get to this point where I feel my cup is not overflowing yet, but not empty. (laughs) Okay. And I strongly feel that I will continue building skills and continue using these skills to get to a place of overflow very soon. I feel I'm on the edge of overflow, which is a super cool feeling. 
Some of these, yes, are within the past year of my diagnosis with ADHD as a 30-year-old adult. Some of these started long before a year ago, right? But the thing is, I don't think any one of these things is what's made the difference. I have come to believe that most things are actually a cumulative effect, right? And I talk about this in terms of health habits a lot, right? We think it's this one diet that's going to change something, this one shift that's going to change everything. And if it is that one shift that changes everything, it's probably because you reached a tipping point, right? Change happens over time in many steps. You add on and you build on steps one by one by one, and eventually you'll reach a tipping point where you notice a difference. And sometimes we attribute that tipping point to the one thing that we did last, right? And we say, this was the thing that changed me. I believe most of the time it's actually a cumulative effect, right? And you'll look back after that and you'll realize that a shift, you know, you'll you'll look back and say, wow, I feel totally different. How did I get here? And I believe a lot of time it's not one thing, it's all these things kind of adding up over time. Okay, so what are some of these ways that I practiced deep self-care and that I continue to practice deep self-care? What shifts have I made that I feel have really made the difference in my life? I'll share some with you that stick out to me really strongly. Although I'm sure there's more, I'm just going to share some that really pop out to me, okay? Number one, and I'm, I say number one, I haven't numbered these. Let me actually go back and number them. Okay, I went back and numbered these like the hot mess, impulsive person I am. So uh, there's actually 10. So how perfect is that that there's exactly 10? So now I can say... These are 10 ways that I practice deep self-care. So fun. How perfect. I love it when stuff like that works out. 10 is such a nice round number. The perfectionist in me loves it. Let's do it. Number one, saying no to things that don't feel like a hell yes. I just said no to something really big. And I'll share with you guys what it is soon, I'm sure. Um, I'm not ready to share it publicly, publicly, but saying no to things that do not feel like a hell yes. And a lot of that includes things that I feel I'm quote unquote supposed to do. Things that I feel, you know, I should do or are the societal expectation, etc. Point blank. Saying no has been really valuable. And yes, that's part of what I was doing before, right? But before I would say yes to the things I felt like I had to do. But I would say, you know, no to just all the extras. Now, some things that I even feel like I have to do, I say no to them, right? I don't know if that made sense. Anyways, let's move on to number two. Maybe I can explain this one more succinctly. (sighs) Letting myself fully express my emotions and letting my emotions be big when they want to be. The full spectrum of emotions is part of the human experience, And allowing myself to feel them and be like, oh, I feel crappy right now. And not just allowing the positive emotions has really allowed the negative emotions to pass instead of fester and come back over and over and over again. Just allowing myself to express my emotions. I didn't do that for the first 30 years of my life. I tried to skip to the positive part or I tried to not feel it via numbing. This has been a massive piece of self-care. This is like, I could do a whole episode on that. In fact, I really should. Okay, number three, doing lots of self-examination. Noticing my patterns without trying to change them. Okay, and this has been huge, 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 huge. Just noticing myself instead of always trying to change myself. Number four, honoring my desire to rest and veg out when I want to do so. This is something I talk about a lot, Um, just allowing my body that rest, whether it's a Monday at 10 a.m. or it's a Sunday at 5 p.m. Like my body deserves rest when it asks for it. My brain deserves rest when I ask for it. I'm not a robot. I'm not here to be perpetually productive, right? A A mantra that I've started saying to myself or a question. I like to do mantras in the form of questions because it leaves it open to my mind's interpretation. But a thought that I've been practicing is like, what if we're all just here on this earth to have fun? What choice would I make right now if that was the case? That's so fun to me and expansive. And I love thinking that. And most of the time it's not, I would stand up and 
you know, do the thing I'm dreading and push myself and force myself through this tiredness to the point of burnout, normally that's not the case, right? And to build off of that, this is like 4.5, so like four and a half, bullet point number four and a half, because it's kind of all the same. And that is honoring my desire to be go, go, go when I feel like being go, go, go. (laughs) I fluctuate. I am not a moderation person when it comes to expending energy. And I bet you're not if you have ADHD either. And this is somewhere I've recently allowed myself to really lean into that all or nothing expenditure of energy. Because what I used to do is I'm like, oh you know, it's 6 p.m. I should start winding down now, you know, on those certain days that I was like, felt this go, go, go energy. I was like, no, this isn't how it's supposed to be. I've got to save this energy for tomorrow morning, right? Instead, I let myself expend the energy. I know there's going to be days where I'm go, go, go until 9.30 p.m., 10 p.m., right? Just let myself do it. And the thing is, because I can't I've realized I can't really control that ebb and flow as much as I thought I could of energy expenditure. So just because I'm trying to save energy by sitting on the couch and relaxing or reading or whatever at this time doesn't mean that that energy is going to be there tomorrow at 10 a.m. So what if I just honored my true energy ebbs and flows and see where that got me instead? That has been huge, just honoring my natural energy cycles, right? And allowing it to be okay no matter what. Number five, stopping the diet cycle in its tracks, the binge restrict cycle I was constantly in, the desire to control what my body looks like and even what it feels like. Allowing my body to be what it wants to be has been a huge piece of self-care. Number six is eating healthfully and exercising from a place of desire not a need to be smaller and accepted. This can really coexist with the last bullet point. And in my opinion, when it it takes a long time, but this is, this is the goal or for me, (laughs) you know, is the fact that once you do stop the diet cycle and stop the binge restrict at a certain point, you know, for a while, you're just going to want to eat all the things and you're going to want to, you know, rest a ton and just kind of like, it's almost like a, rebound period, right? But at a certain point, you start having the desire to eat nutritious foods. You start having the desire to eat lean proteins and vegetables and things like that versus the desire to constantly eat ice cream and mac and cheese, which is what a lot of people think will happen when you stop dieting, which it might for a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But also with exercise, right? It gets to a point where you do it because it feels good. You start doing it and realizing it's actually enjoyable and it can come from a place of desire and your body will naturally balance out. It's really crazy, but it's true. And that's a way that I care for myself, right? Is via my health habits, which I think is no secret to any of you. (laughs) Number seven, knowing that something, one singular item can be both fun or numbing, depending on the moment and the circumstance. So I'm going to elaborate on this. So understanding, for example, that like food, social media, and alcohol, those are three for me, that could be either fun and enjoyable or numbing and like a way to escape reality. So I allow the fun part to be there, right? But I try to practice using these things less for the numbing aspect, right? Because this is also ties in with that number two of fully feeling my emotions. When I feel those negative emotions, my automatic reaction was, and like my brain still wants to do these things, is to numb, right? Those negative emotions, I'm like, oh, let me just scroll social media to not feel this. Let me just have a glass of wine. Let me just eat something that'll make me feel better, right? This is supernatural for all humans, supernatural Sounds like it's not natural. Natural fault for all humans. But this concept is kind of the opposite of all or nothing, right? Because I used to say things like, I just can't control myself around wine, so I'm not going to keep it in the house, right? That wasn't acknowledging the, the dual existence of the fact that one glass of wine is fun, right? But 12 is not. That's numbing. Or like acknowledging the reason I'm using the thing, and that it's different. And so I don't have to keep it out of the house. I just can maybe change the way I think about it, change the way I use it. 
the reason I couldn't control myself around certain things was because number one, I was constantly restricting and micromanaging myself. And number two, because I was using these things to feel better and to numb, right? Food, wine, and social media can't actually help me feel better, right? I think that they will, but then I have one glass of wine. Let's keep to that example. And then I go back for more and more and more because I thought that the feeling better part or the numbing would come after the next bite or the next glass of wine, you know, or the next five minutes of scrolling, but it typically doesn't. So we keep going, right? Again, one glass of wine can be fun and enjoyable and enhance an experience, 12 glasses of wine almost never feels good after. And that's kind of the difference to if you're like not sure how to notice the difference. Number one, think about the why in the moment that you want the thing. What is the why? Is it because you're trying to not feel something else? Is it because you feel in some way it'll make you feel better? So that's number one, identifying that why. And number two is thinking about how you'll feel after, right? Will it feel good after if I keep going with 12 glasses of wine? (laughs) Will it feel good after, right? Or will it not? And a lot of times if it doesn't feel good after, then it's probably just a numbing or escaping tactic or a reason to use that thing versus like enhancing your life and feeling fun and enjoyable and beneficial. Number eight, investing in me and my growth buying self-help books. (laughs) So embarrassing, but I love self-help books. Whatever. It's not embarrassing. I don't care. Therapy, going to therapy, getting, hiring a coach, spending money on people that can help me work through this mindset stuff, not on my own. I really think this is a big difference. I realized when I was diagnosed with ADHD that I'm not doing this thing alone. I can be supported and I can spend money to be supported. And it's been so helpful because I've actually been able to use a lot of the tools more so than just learning the thing and not using it. That's been the difference for me. When I started investing in myself, then I noticed a big difference in how my actions actually were. Number nine way that I deeply care for myself is identifying where I quote unquote self-sabotage. And this goes back to like that being aware of myself and or like being aware of what's difficult for me. And instead of trying to change that part of me, making a change in my actions. So let me I'm not explaining this well. So let me try this again. So I'm going to give an example. Okay. I know myself by now that I will not drink water if it's not super easy and available. So for example, literally pouring water from the fridge dispenser, right? Like putting the cup under the fridge dispenser and filling up my big tumbler takes about like maybe 10 seconds. Okay, not very long. But if I in advance fill up a whole jug that's a day's worth of water, then when when it comes time to drink the water, Pouring that cup of water only takes two seconds. So it's two seconds versus 10 seconds, okay? For me, that is the difference between actually drinking the water and not drinking the water, that eight seconds, okay? And (laughs) to a lot of neurotypical people, that's going to sound ridiculous, but you are my people. You guys are other ADHDers, and I think you get this, right? So What I do is instead of what I used to do before, which was just try to motivate or force myself into better behavior, like just do it, Chelsea, you just need to do it tomorrow. Stop being lazy, you know, that kind of thing. Instead, I use that tool of self-observation and say, you know, this isn't happening. Instead of trying to change this part of me, what could I change in my routine that fits this part of me better? This part of me that doesn't want to spend the extra eight seconds standing at the fridge. So in advance, when I feel like it throughout the day, at some point, I fill up the entire jug and then it only takes two seconds for me to pour my water. And I don't have to have more discipline to do this. And I drink more water because of it. Speaking of, let me take a sip. Ah, So nice. Okay. So really just when I identify those things, instead of trying to change me, I change the thing, right? I change the action. I get creative and say, how, what would make me, what would accommodate better to this part of me, right? 
another random accommodation that I'm thinking of that I've started is like thinking I always thought my memory would get better. And I was like, oh, I just need to get a try harder to remember these things. Instead, I just don't trust my memory and I write absolutely everything down. And that's made such a huge difference. (laughs) Okay, so this level of self-awareness and then like preparation and kind of accepting the parts of me, this is a form of deep self-care, right? And it buds from that self-awareness piece. And number 10, the final way that I am learning to deeply care for myself in a way that's helping me feel like I'm coming from a place of overflow, and this is the one I'm really working on right now, so I saved it for last, is expressing my truth. Even if, actually, especially if it's something that other people may disapprove of. I've realized how much I desire to uphold my image and like still have some of those people-pleasing tendencies in the past few weeks. I've realized how much I really do care what other people think and how it isn't serving me any longer to try to do things solely for the benefit of impressing other people. This is a work in progress thing, okay? And a lot of you guys give me like lots of accolades for being so vulnerable and real and sharing rawly, you know, and you might think this comes naturally for me. It is the, that is the total opposite of the truth. This does not come naturally to me. I practically get hives every time I share something new with you that I feel doesn't like, quote unquote, put my best foot forward, right? I cringe If I think about things that I posted in the past, I cringe and a lot of times genuinely I have to control myself because I want to go back and delete so many posts, so many podcasts, so many Instagram stories, etc. Okay, because I don't like you not knowing that I'm perfect, not perfect. (laughs) I want you to think I'm perfect. But this is my next step in deep self-care is learning that I don't need validation from other people when I can give myself validation, learning to validate myself. And therefore, mean, that means I, can, I, need, I don't need to sh- suppress my truth anymore, right? If I'm giving myself the validation I need, and that's deep self-care to me, I don't have to try and expend all my energy on these things that I think other people, other people say that I need or I should be doing because I'm validating myself. <sighs> Gosh dang, this is a super deep episode. At least it is for me, you know? So those are 10 ways that I give myself deep self-care. And I know that that's like, that's a lot. This is years of work, you guys. These are, like I said, years of culminations of changes I've made that I've realized are ways of deep self-care that have actually made me, made a difference more than any, like I said, face mask or Netflix binge ever have. Because those are really just like more forms of numbing. Real self-care is like really not pretty. I'm not going to lie. It's really not pretty, which is why it's not talked about in this way a whole, whole lot. So like I said, this is a super deep one, super raw and vulnerable, which means I know that I'm going to get some messages on Instagram about how it resonates for you. Actually, I really hope one of those messages is from you, as if this resonates with you. I hope that you send me a message, uh, especially if we've never connected before. Actually, I take that back. Like, honestly, especially if we have connected before, too, because you guys are part of the reason I keep doing this. Keep, like, bearing my soul truth day after day through the messy, the uncomfortable, the scary as fuck, okay? Whenever I share the depths of my soul, thinking that nobody could possibly relate is ironically when everyone relates. And I love you guys so much for that. Like, I truly do. You support me when you share to me that you get me, right? It just means so much to me. I can't even, I don't know. I'm getting like super cheesy today. So cheesy. Okay. Anyways, if you do want to say hey, or you want to say that you resonate with this, you can shoot me a message on Bright Light Chels on Instagram. I have a VA, a virtual assistant, and I've decided that I will never, well, I never say never, but for the time being, I'm not ever going to outsource my DMs because that's where I really connect with you guys. And I feel like it's something that's really important to keep me, you know, and not not taint the energy of that space. Does that make sense? I'm not saying my VA is going to taint the energy of my that space, but I'm saying like, uh, 
again, I want to care for you and I want to hold space for you and respond to you and talk to you on a real human to human basis. Okay, things are getting weird. So let's end this episode. To end this episode, I want to give you an action step. I want you to think, what is one way you could care for yourself deeply? Like, what just sticks out to you when I say that? What's the first thing that came to your mind? Just one thing. I want you to write it down right now. I'm not saying you have to start. (laughs) I'm not saying you have to do it perfectly. But just start marinating on it, okay? Set, Start setting the intention that you are going to make that change. Set the intention. Say it out loud. I am going to start deeply caring for myself by fill in the blank. Um, many times I set the intention to do something long before the change actually takes place or I even start the change. It's okay, though. That's how this stuff works. It takes time. And I never was willing to accept that before. And I think in such a fast-paced society, that's like not, that's pretty common. It's hard to accept that things take time. But yeah, set the intention that you're going to start deeply caring for yourself in this way. (sighs) You don't have to, the, the answers will come of how to do that, right? And if you do desire change like this for yourself, any of these shifts that I've shared, those 10 shifts that I shared to deeply care for yourself or the change to feel like you're going from an empty cup constantly that's like, you know, dry and desperate for water to a cup that's like like halfway full or a cup that's like three quarters of the way full and all the way up to overflowing. If you desire to start making that change inside the habit edit, I share so many tools that I used to get to this place. The Habit Edit is a health and mindset coaching membership for women with ADHD. And it's health and mindset, okay? So you can use this to help shift your health habits, but you can also use it purely for your mindset if you desire to, right? You can come into the Habit Edit, come to every coaching call, and not ever talk about your health habits at all. You don't have to talk about water or nutrition or health or anything. You can talk about your struggles with work or your family life or your home life or anything you want because truthfully, it's all interconnected. I'm happy to support you in any area of life that you desire, right? And if you have an end goal of improving your health, physical or mental, working through your mindset, shifting your mindset and making these shifts bit bit by bit will make a difference in your physical health in the long run. This is how we build the capacity to take care of ourselves, right? This type of change is possible for you too. It really is, especially like, it's the kind of thing where I'm like, if I can do it, trust me, anyone can. (laughs) And I will never promise you a quick fix. I will never promise you that it's this easy peasy road. It's winding and it's messy and it's difficult, but we go through it together and it's possible for you. And just sometimes that's enough to know and to start making a difference in your life, knowing that it really is possible and starting to believe that for yourself. So if you want to join the Habit Edit, I invite you to come on in. If you're a woman with ADHD and you want just support from another woman with ADHD to shift your mindset, feel better, feel like you are approaching the point of overflow and abundance, come on in. The link is in the show notes. You can read more about the membership. You can always message me on Instagram and ask me questions. But what we'll be doing in the membership is we're going to be changing together one step at a time. I love you guys so much. So, so much. I'm going to wrap it up there. I will see you in the next episode of Vibrancy with ADHD. Bye.